You're listening to the Marginally Geeky Show, the Epically Geeky Book Club. Greetings and welcome to the Marginally Geeky Show. I'm your host for the evening, Eugene Stevens. Tonight I'm joined by Jennifer, who's been a while away for a little while. I'm back. That's <laughs> right. And Chris, how are you doing? I'm good here. Um, tonight's episode, uh, or tonight, this month's episode, we are reading, uh, Jen's pick, uh, like we've been talking about, we've kind of moved to this, and I guess I need to talk to everyone, figure out if we're going to keep doing it this way. Uh, everyone picks a book and we just kind of flow through them that way. Um, and this is uh, Jennifer's pick. Um, this book is Braiding Sweetgrass by Robin Wall Kimmerer. Uh, Jen, why did you pick this book? Well, <laughs> I I don't know if you guys know this. I'm a bit of an environmentalist, and this book has been <laughs> recommended to me uh, numerous times, and also just pops up in your suggestions, you know, because the algorithms know mm-hmm. what you like. Um, and so yeah, I've been wanting to read it for a long time, and then um, when I had the power to decree what everyone should read this month, I thought this is a good excuse <laughs> to <laughs> actually read something I've been needing to read for a while, and. So, yeah, I, I've, I just I've heard that it's, um, you know, it's it's great not only about the environment, but it talks about indigenous knowledge. And that's something I've also wanted to learn a lot more about. And um, I thought it was uh, well, I know we'll get into this, but I thought it was it lived up to expectations for sure. So do I need to put this on the uh, sustainably geeky feed as well? Just slip it in there <laughs> as a read or you're just going to point people to come <laughs> listen to it here. So I suggested it in the last episode and I'll just you know, send them over this way for this as well. Gotcha. So, um, all right, well, let's go ahead and get started as we usually do. Just kind of give our, our quick intro introductory thoughts on it. Uh, I take it from your, your wanting and your giddiness that you did enjoy this book. Yeah, I really liked it. And I, and the author also narrates it. And, uh, as we talked about pre-show, her voice is melodic. So, I really that just really added to it. But, um, yeah, I really liked it. And I liked how it kind of married science and sustainability and showed that they're not exclusive, that they're, you know, actually complementary. And we need to start thinking more that way about life in general. So. Uh, Chris, what were your thoughts? Um, So I have heard about this book, too, throughout the years um, and just never thought about it. And then when Jen suggested, I'm like, okay. Good excuse to read it. Um, and I I really liked it. I like that she read it. She does. She has a very melodic voice. She's um, I love that she uh, is a botanist, but she's also very passionate about her heritage. She's a Potawatomi uh, uh, First Nation person. And I like how she marries the two together. It's not just about one or the other. And this word, this term that she used, I just love. It's called indigenous science. I just loved that it was just this wonderful thing and she mentioned one of my favorite people in the whole wide world his name was thomas berry and he was a uh, a priest um she called him an eco theologian which i thought was pretty cool i would never heard that term before and he believed that um in order for the world to keep going and us to thrive much like um robin says we need to have both the spiritual side of things and science. You can't do one without the other if we're going to make it through this. But she, it was just really poetic. I just found it really, really poetic. She's a fantastic writer. Fantastic yeah. writer. And the whole entire time I was thinking about this, I'm like, 
Oh, this is this is a million times better than Sarah Wilson's book. Oh. <laughs> I did not like her book, and, and I couldn't figure out why. And I'm like, this is why. It's because Robin is an actual scientist in the field of environmental sciences. Like, she's she has this knowledge, and she also has this huge spiritual side to her that she marries very well together. And I feel like Sarah's book kind of just missed that mark. But I, I love she was. Pardon? Well, I was going to say on that note, I think she was just really good at pulling personal stories mm-hmm. and experiences really and making her scientific points or even vice versa. Like she knew when to, you know, yes. pull what stories and put them together. Yeah. Whereas other books kind of seem to just throw stories in there for the sake of it. And for the sake of story. Yeah. yeah. Like it, it flowed. It, it, it was a it's a meaty book. Like it's dense. Like it's for audiobook. Mm-hmm. It's 16 hours. It's like no joke. But so it's meaty. And I found myself kind of near the end being like, um, is this the end yet? Is this just because my attention was starting to wane? Yeah. But, um, but it, yeah, it's a meaty book. And I feel like um, it's something that should be part of curriculum. If uh, students are going into any kind of sciences, like biology, environmental sciences, anything like that, this should have sort of, this should sort of be required reading because she talks so much about, the indigenous science and the indigenous spirituality of it all and how it needs to, they need to work together. Eugene. Yes. Hi. Um, <laughs> I, okay. So this is definitely not my normal run of book, which I mean, let's be honest. The reason, one of the reasons we wanted to start this, this show was not only to talk about the books that we did like in general, but was also, at least for me, was also to help branch out and, and find different things. Um, so yeah, this is not a book I would have normally picked up. Um, I, I will, I, I completely agree. I think her, her reading it, she does have a good voice. She does have a good, uh, um, um, rhythm of reading. It is very soothing to hear her read, uh, which, you know, that's not always the case on, you know, a lot of people. I mean, I've, I've listened to books where Stephen King, you know, reads it and, while he does an okay job, he's definitely not the best reader. Although I've kind of married his his voice to those certain books when I go back and listen to him. But anyway, um, I also completely agree that her use of weaving personal stories and uh, her heritage uh, into you know the points that she's trying to make, she does a good job of that. I don't know if she's just naturally good at it or she had a really good editor. Um, cause I agree, you know, listening to some books when people are trying to, you know, make a point on something they're, they're, they're talking about, sometimes it's jarring. It's just like, mm-hmm. eh, that's, that didn't really fit the way I think you thought it fit. So, um, like I said, I, I will say about halfway through the book, I was just like, man, this is a lot. This is, this is a lot going on. And I did crack a smile because the whole time I thought, I bet Jennifer's just like reading this and just like so excited and happy yeah. and everything. And that made me happy with, you know, the thought that you probably really enjoyed this. So, um, yeah, I, I listened to the, like the first half of it while I was hiking in mm-hmm. the woods in Ireland and like literally just connecting with nature, you know, at the most, the highest level I could. So it's, right. for me, it was like, it just enhanced the experience, but um, yeah, it, it was a very long book and it, I did have, I did kind of take a break. And when I came back to it, it was like, okay, I'm ready to get back into it. Cause it was, you know, a lot at once I had to pace myself. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, let's, let's kind of get into it. So the book is, um, 
I, I guess you'd say kind of her personal story because she does. There is a lot of personal stories in it. Um, and and like Chris said, uh, she is a Native American and she is she is going at it uh, from that stance, even though when it starts out, it's like she was very divorced uh, from her heritage uh, just because of the things that happened to her father. And as she's grown up, she's, you know, come to um, incorporate that more into her life. And now it, it is it is a great part of her life. Um and so it's it's the story it's it's her story growing up it's her story how um uh you know what she does with her life um you know working to help you know uh protect the environment uh but also how her culture and how its reverence for nature you know flows into that um which is one of the first things you kind of brought it up and and I, that's one of the first things I want to say um the first thing that really kind of stuck out in this book to me was um, there's a scene where she's talking about she's basically wanting to get into college and she goes in and she's talking to the dean and she's, you know, she's like, I've got this whole thing laid out and she has this plan and she's, you know, speaking from the heart and she's just, you know, waiting to be fully accepted and, and get started in this program and be awesome. And they're just kind of like, yeah, that's not really what being a botanist is about. Like we're like, you know, defining what plants are and what, you know, what their makeup is and how we classify them. And none of the natural touchy feely stuff you're talking about. And I was just like, wow, what a douche. Like <laughs> I just Crush wanted to dreams. reach. I was really hoping I granted, I, I try to be kind of hopeful on some of this stuff. So I was really hoping it was going to be the opposite. I was hoping it was going to be, she found her spot and it was great and everything. And it didn't turn out to be that way. And I'm just like, wow, that sucks. So, um, and it kind of, and unfortunately she ran into that several other times throughout the book where, you know, um, there was some, you know, uh, talking about, um, <clears throat> I think it was later on where they're talking about studying sweetgrass and how mm -hmm. it grows and where and everything. And they're just like, why? Like, it's not, we don't, we don't use it for, you know, necessarily medicine or, you know, anything industrial or whatever. Why would we put all this time, energy and effort into studying this plant that, for modern culture apparently doesn't really matter. So, uh, but has a, a deep meaning for, uh, uh, for her, for her culture. So, um, I'm I definitely think, uh, the wrong person to lead this. So if either one of y'all want to take, <laughs> take the lead on this, by all well, means do. What, what I thought as, as she was kind of talking through that experience of, uh, applying for school and, and kind of getting her, uh, the light kind of dimmed out of her a little bit at the beginning when she was so hopeful and she was all about the beauty and the art of the science. She was also, you know, interested in the science, but she saw she didn't see them as exclusive and they kind of like forced that into her. Um, and it kind of made me think about like there's a big push for STEM, you know, lately science, technology, engineering and mathematics. But there's also been a push for steam, which is adding the art back into that, because I think people are starting to realize, like, they're stronger together and you can't just have science, science, science. You also need mm -hmm. to kind of bring in the arts component and let that inform what you do, like, you know, using both sides of your brain, your creative and your logical, blah, blah, blah. But um, I, I think it's, you know, it's just another testament to why that's so important. You know, this is a great example of that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You can like, so, you can like both. Yes. Oh well. Uh, well, I was as you're talking about that. Uh, so um, 
I don't know how much I've talked about it on this show. I'm the team lead for the Austin area Ghostbusters. And one of the groups that we are a cosplay group that gets together and do cons and, you know, praise and stuff like that. And then we usually work with the charity to try to raise money. The latest charity that we've worked with is a, a charity here in Austin uh, called Girl Start. And they're specifically trying to get young ladies into uh, uh, STEM things. I think they've ex- expanded it to steam as well. But I'm, the whole time you're saying that, and I'm thinking, yeah, absolutely, because like the reason why we would get people into you know into this is because hey, I made a proton pack. This is a cool, essentially piece of art, and mm-hmm. you want to know how it's made. Well, then then that's how you get into the the STEM part of it or whatever. So it, yeah, just just um, there are people out there that I'm sure absolutely love and adore learning about science and math and everything just for their pure purpose of learning about it. But I'm not one of those people like I have to have it applied some way. And and Mm -hmm. art is one of the big ways of doing that. Or it's, you know, I'm going to learn about this to get to this other goal. Uh, So I completely agree with you on that. And like I said, when when that part of the book came up, I was just like, and I agree that she definitely seemed like the light kind of went out of it a little bit. And unfortunately, I think that happens a lot in different, Mm -hmm. you know, academic areas and and not even, I mean, completely different things. Someone goes into something, they're like, this is what I want to learn about. And I want to do this as a living, or, you know, this is my passion or whatever. And unfortunately there's just, you know, people that are high up in academic areas that just kind of crush that out of them. But I'm glad she found it again, you know, like she came out back to it and, uh, you know, also, uh, found her her heritage and the beauty in that and reconnected with all of that because it seemed like you know she she realized how much she needed it and how much she missed it mm-hmm. so it gave me hope <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh chris anything in particular that stood out to you it's got a vacuum situation happening um <laughs> so what stood out to me um that she just the passion she had for, she's just, it seems like she's a very deeply passionate person about the things that she loves. So she really loves science and she, but she also really loves her, the spiritual side of her culture and what that all means and how you can put it together. Um, she's also a mother. She has two children. I love that her kids' names, I thought they were pretty cool. <laughs> uh, Lyndon and Larkin. Um, I like how she, wove them into that too and because it because as a parent you know Logan and I have had these talks because it's her generation that's really going to have to kind of deal with the fix our mess out of all this they're getting the brunt of it right we're seeing it but they're they're the ones that are growing up in it and um you know she wants to have kids but it's stressful for her and what do you do when you see climate change and all this like how do you reconcile the two like bringing a kid in and them going to have to deal with all this and stuff so her being a mom and trying to instill how important but not like shoving it down their throat but like just showing them making it fun making it part of their like growing a garden and they had a pond at one of their places and just um you know, her ponds, the pond. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, the pond would be cool. And, but I did, like I, so I, much I, work. That's why yeah, I don't think I do all that work for African. Oh, God. But I'm also not that I'm not that um, stubborn either. I feel like that's like a stubborn trait that she's got. Like I will not, this will not defeat me. Um, but that woven in there of her being a mother and I could relate a lot to that. Um, and uh, yeah, she just seems like a really 
cool lady. And um, I just loved how she talked about, because when I was, I did a couple of courses in 2020 and it really talked about how um, the Christian Genesis story has no blueprints after that. There's no, nothing in the Bible that says, this is how you live with the land. This is how you take care of it. This is, she speaks a lot about reciprocity, about the give and take of, of nature and humans. And, you know, um, and in a lot of indigenous cultures, it's you only take 50%. You only take what you need. You don't take anything more than that because there's other things out here that need it too. It's not just you. But in a Christian Bible story, it's very much the land will provide for you. So whatever you need, you can take as much as you want because it'll always be readily available. Um, but the problem is, is that's not the case. And then when, you know, you have colonizers coming over and they're seeing these these other people living in a very harmonious way, but it looks messy or it doesn't look organized. They just assume they don't know what they're doing. So we're going to come and fix it all and save you guys. And, you know, you should take all the stuff you're wasting. Yes. Let it all, go to yeah. waste. You're leaving all this behind when you can gather it all up. And would, don't you want more? And aren't you afraid that it's not going to be there anymore or whatever? You got to stock it and hoard it. And um realizing that that's not that that sorry that the indigenous beliefs have a universal story they have she calls it the instructions um of how to live within the land because it's um it's here for all living beings it's not just humans exclusively so there's it's and it's deep rooted in their culture of how to take care of the land and and being appreciative of everything that it gives you and how to um, appreciate, to, you know, taking a life like an animal or, or a plant or whatever, um, but using everything that goes with that and nothing going to waste and just just the honoring of of land, I just think is missing a lot in regular um, regular everyday belief because North America was found on Christian Judeo beliefs, right? Like, and it's still very deep rooted, you know, like it's God and country and in God we trust and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, that's great, but there's no universal story. So you've kind of like foobarred it all by not understanding that you have to, it's a give and take. And I like how she kept mentioning that. And I like how she kept mentioning, you know, and the Wendigo. That oh, yeah. One that I thought was really cool. The Wendigo um, uh, story. I'm like, man. Oh, yep. We're, we, they're right. everywhere. <laughs> they're everywhere. Uh, yeah. And I also like how she said at the end that she didn't know how to what to do. She didn't know. A lot of these books try to find off either offer no solution, just all these doomsday feelings and scenarios and offer nothing up or they try to find solutions and they're not really applicable to a lot of people. Um, but she was just flat out like, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know how we get to what she calls the eighth fire. I, I don't know. And I like that. And I appreciated that, that for her expertise, she, she's still hopeful, but doesn't know how it's going to happen. I appreciate just that. She just that she trusts that we have the ability yes. to do it. Maybe. Yeah. The next generation. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I really, yeah, her message about reciprocity really resonated yeah. with me and just being grateful and giving back and being a steward of the land and the, the environment and the world, really, not just taking, mm-hmm. because that's just so much of what we've been raised in 
And that's the global north is just basically just takes and takes and accumulates and does whatever it wants to hell with the rest of the world, human and non-human alike. Like Mm -hmm. um, that message was just beautiful to me. And then on the flip side, I'm like, but people are selfish. They're not going to change. How do we get them to think this way and actually care about, you know, where things come from and how much they're taking and using and, I don't, I, I don't know, just like her. Like, yeah. It's, it's a big yeah. question. Yeah, how do you have that mind shift that we have to take care of each other and the earth or, you know, this is all going to go to shit. And we don't, I mean, and it is very ingrained in our society and it is very ingrained. Because even when she was talking about um, how Indigenous people see gifts um, and where the term Indian giver came from. I had a little, I was like, yeah, but gifts shouldn't come with the, and maybe I was interpreting it wrong, like with the expectations that something's going to come back to you. Mm-hmm. Um, it should just be given freely and you're just, because you want to, because you can. Um, but she's right. I mean, you give the gift and eventually through whatever gifts come back to you it's not the same gift that you gave but it's something and um yeah just the whole taking care of each other taking care of the land and then taking pride in it too that's the other thing is taking pride in wanting to um cultivate and take care and cherish you know just looking at it like it's all waste and just needs to be developed Mm. She had a lot of good stories. I like the story of the three sisters. The um, what was the other one? How sweet grass um, is important and how it grows and like how different communities harvest it differently because each everybody's got their own little thing that they do. And <laughs> I just thought that those little stories because here in um, Canada we don't have the best history of how we've treated our indigenous communities. We've just sort of come yeah. and been like... You need to be I, like, more like the U.S. and, yeah, you know, Yeah, we, we have, but the, my, my, yeah, right. yeah, my big beef with it is that I didn't know any of this growing up. Nobody mm-hmm. talked about it. We didn't yeah. learn about this in history class, none of it. And it wasn't until my kids started going to school and learning this in history that I started learning about it. And it was just like, you're telling me that the last residential school in Canada closed in 1996. That's what you're telling me. I had no clue, none of it. My dad told me a story of these two residential school children he knew that died because they were locked out of the school and froze to death. And I'm like, holy crap, dad, you, you never told me that? And just um, just how poorly we uh, just treated them. And the reparations that we need to do in Canada is Ride. We it's been a slow slog though, and we're not even close. And we just, I don't know, we take it for granted, right? Like, and mm-hmm. shove them on reserves. I've lived on a on a native reserve when I was a kid, and it's they're not great. <laughs> they're not nice. They're in the middle of nowhere. We lived eight hours north of a town called Thunder Bay, which is already in northern Ontario. And we lived eight hours north. There were no paved roads. Um, you had to take a plane to get anywhere. Um, and that's where we lived, but that was a native reserve. My dad was a police officer up there and, you know, most of them are under boil water advisories. Um, they open up their tap and it's just dirt that comes out, water, dirt water. 
Um, and they've always been under boil water advisories. If that were to happen in a, you know, predominantly white community or, or a bigger city area, that would never, the Walker and Water tragedy is a good example of that. You know, contaminated water of a town of 5,000. I was, you know, it happened when Ray and I first started dating. It was, you know, national, international news, and that got cleared up in just a couple of months. But these people have been living in, you know, nothing short of squalor because it's land that nobody else wanted. So you stick them there, but they can't live off it because it's not meant to be lived in because it's harsh and barren. And yeah, so we don't have a great relationship with that, but we're trying. Yeah, it's slow, but we're trying. Yeah, we could just be about the Trail of Tears and stuff. So yeah. It's like, look what bad things we did. At least we told you about it. Well, that's not that's much great. better, but we're gonna do about it. Yeah, yeah, we're going to keep doing it. But yeah, yeah, exactly. So I just I feel like um, what needs to what she was talking about is that because science is just it's science and we don't need anything else clouding the data and clouding the information. But if you don't have anything else, you're putting it towards what does it mean? It's just numbers and just facts. If you can't apply it to anything or there's no inspiration behind it, then what's it for? Yeah. You know? So I just, she's, I wish, I wish Thomas Berry was still alive and then him and and her can just talk and just like make things better. (laughs) Cause Thomas Berry was, he was an amazing man. He died in 2009, but he very much believed that science and and spirituality had to combine to make to make it because i've always wondered why uh people act like science has no place in religion or vice versa because it's like what if like god was just a scientist that this was all just one big petri dish for him and he's just or he or she is just out there you know like let's (laughs) see what happens if i do this like we could have just been an experiment for the greatest scientist ever like I don't know. I think that's a cool story. Yeah. No, it's problem, no crazier than the stories out there. <laughs> the problem is, is some of them fly directly in the in the face of others. Of course, it also depends yeah. on how you look at it. Like mm-hmm. uh, going back to, um, uh, oh, not the Bobaverse, uh, the um, oh, Magic 2.0, the Magic 2.0, yeah. you know, <laughs> I, and I've always I've, I've kind of always thought that as an adult, it's like, you know. Seven days. All right, cool. Was that daylight savings time? How long was a day back then? <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. your yeah. description of what happened in seven days sounds like it took millions of years. And if there was no one back there to actually write it down, my my other thing was, and I've always said this, I'm like, you know, you can't go back in time and show someone, you know, an iPhone and not basically explain it as a magic rock. They're, they're, they cannot comprehend it. So how do you explain to a really old, you know, more primitive human beings the concept of millions of years? It's not yeah. going to work. Uh, mm-hmm. Seven days. You can comprehend seven days. So there you go. Yeah. Um, a day on Earth is longer or, you know, different length than a day on Mars or Jupiter or any other planet. So it's, that's another thing, you know. Like, yeah. I've always thought, well. Did the planet someone, turn back then? Yeah. If someone did, if this is the actual word of God, it was probably dumbed down a little bit. Just saying. <laughs> so, plus there was a lot of editing going on by. Yeah, you had a lot emails. of translation and. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I got to go back to the pond real quick. That was something that drove me insane. I was just like, <laughs> especially when she explained bad. the fact that she didn't get it cleaned up and to the point she wanted it until after her kids were like gone, and yeah. I'm just like, 
did you not have any friends or any volunteers? There was no one to help you do this. But I, I'm like, is it just one of those things? It's like, no, I'm going to do this. This is my project. I yeah. want this. This is going to be me. I'm going to be able to look back at this and say, I did all this. It sounded and, like it was relaxing for her too. Like, and maybe yeah, it was in some way. <laughs> yeah, definitely not on my radar of relaxing things. But it was just one of those things. I'm just like, you realize, like, if you had just like gotten a day and got like maybe five or ten people to help you out, like, you would have like cut years off of this <laughs> process because <laughs> what she could get done in the amount of time, I'm sure was basically like one step forward, three steps back. And she just slowly was mm-hmm. making, you know, you can, sometimes you have to have big progress. Anyway, that was one of the things that, every, every time you walk away, more comes back. More comes back. Gotta, exactly. Yeah. Especially when it's yeah. water stuff with water, you know, it's always like that. Oh. Like the Canadians understand right now with water. <laughs> so, um, okay. So I, I've heard y'all talk about reading books and you listen to it and you just like, wow, this is depressing. This just makes me feel like there's no hope at all. And I got that about halfway through this book. Um, There were two things that I, I didn't care for the book. Number one, I did get that feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, Because you start going down. The one thing trying to trigger the other, I'll, I'll talk about the other. The one, th- it was like, okay, well, if we do this, but then, all right, so if we change, am I doing enough? Because like, you're talking about having to drive a bunch of plate. Well, then should you not be driving? Should you just be staying there? But then if you do that, and it's, you know, it's that, that spiral you go down that y'all said y'all been on. Yeah. 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 So, um, but yeah, cause it's like, okay, so you wrote a book to get information out. That's great. But trees were cut down and it's been shipped by Amazon. And it, you know what I'm saying? Like there's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff you could look at it and it brought, it brought, it brings me back to not trying to give anything away for it, but uh, the good place. Mm-hmm. You know, later on in that series, if you haven't watched The Good Place, just fast forward like 30 seconds or <laughs> a minute. But later on in the series, they come to find out no one can go to heaven because no matter what you do, it's harmful. Yeah. It harms someone some way. And yeah. it kind of felt like that. And I was just like, all right, I got to shake this off. Mm-hmm. Um, I was also kind of wondering when this book was released and stuff. And it was only, it, was, it hadn't been too long ago. It was like 2018, 2019. So it's it's. It's fairly new. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I, I think what started was when she was talking about how certain things don't feel like there's a life to them. And, you know, wood, plants. Um, I don't remember where she came down on metals. But, uh, you know, you, you can feel, quote unquote, the life in them. And plastics, you don't feel that way. Um, probably didn't help that at the time I was 3D printing stuff. Um but, you know, she brought it and it was kind of a hard stance of, you know, plastics are are bad. And I'm very gray on that because mm-hmm. most of the stuff that I make with plastics are made out of corn. Now, we could also debate how great that is, because I'm sure it's corn that, like she was talking about, has been genetically altered to never reproduce. They're just making it and basically destroying fields and, you know, sucking the life out of the ground or whatever. So there's definitely, you know, it's definitely not a high road on that I'm on. But anyway, but it's like. You know, I also understand that there are things that are made out of plastics, like electric vehicles. There's a lot of plastics in them. And if they were all metal, they'd be so freaking heavy, you you couldn't use it as an electric vehicle. So it's it's trying to find that balance. And This is a great time to plug the latest episode of Sustainably Geeky, which will be coming out soon, all about plastic. 
Oh, and, nice. Okay. But it does actually talk about like there are actually good plastics. We yes. just need to stop using them for everything. Like yeah. plastic does not need to be made for disposable forks and yes. wrap and yeah. clean wrap. You know, like there are things we can use other materials for, or just stop using them and use the plastic for like life saving medical equipment and transportation, and like you said. Yeah. 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 So, like the it's thing big... I was showing you, all the 3D printed the new the new prop for my Ghostbusters, you know, outfit or whatever. Um, it's 3D printed out of plastic. This plastic actually is is an oil based. It's a more it's a more traditional type plastic. It's a hard plastic. Um, unless it gets crushed, it's it's going to be around forever. And that's what I want it for. This is an ideal use for it. But like you said, Jen, plastic forks, you know, plastic bags, stuff that's disposable. Yeah, we need to get away from that. Absolutely. Yep. That's why I the say I come is- down. As a great also, area for it. Yeah, that will also be around forever. That's the problem because yeah. pe- people use it because they're lazy, because it's convenient, and don't think about the long-term costs. So, mm-hmm. you know, plastic, yeah, has a place. Laptop I'm recording this on is plastic, and, mm-hmm. you know, the soles of my shoes or whatever, probably. Everything we have now has some kind of plastic in it, but, like, we could survive without it 50, 60, 70 years ago, so... We need to, I'm not saying we need to go back to those times. Obviously, like we have to keep progressing, but we could make some, you know, changes or compromises and and realize like also we're going to run out of oil to make the plastic someday. We're going to run out of glass to make the sand or sand to make the glass and metal. We're going to run out of everything someday, even the land to grow some of the stuff that we're using, you know, so like, Mm -hmm. I think that was the overall message is like, be smarter about it. But I, I totally get what you mean. Like it's everything we do yeah, has a footprint and a problem. And it's what's the lesser of two evils, I guess. And, and I guess mid book is when it kind of gets to that point before mm-hmm. we start wrapping back around to the fact that I do like the overall um, idea of balance. And it's like, you know, it, it is the balance between science and, you know, culture and, and, you know, I don't want to say mythology, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, and it's, exactly. you know, it, it has a place there. We can find a balance between, you know, the, the different things. It doesn't, you know, being the older I get, the more stark, hardcore one way or the other. I doesn't matter which way it leans. I'm like, no, that's that's bad. We got to find balance. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But at midpoint in the book, it, it definitely seems where it's like, you know, some kind of hard lines are drawn. And it's just like, eh, I don't. I don't know about this. And then, like I said, I started getting on that spiral and it's just like, yeah. Um, one of the other things I'm going to throw out there real quick. Um, I do like the story, the story she gave about the Wendigo. Once again, a different version that I'd originally heard. One of the first um, versions of uh, the Wendigo story I'd ever heard was, um, oddly enough, in Stephen King, one of Stephen King's books mm-hmm. in um, oh, geez, uh, Pet Cemetery. Mm-hmm. Um when the there's when they go to walk towards where the cemetery is that brings things back to life, uh, there's a in this version, um, and I don't remember which culture he said it was from. Their version is the Wendigo is this giant creature that just it, it eats all life that it comes across. Um, so yes, very much kind of like she was talking, but like I said, this is a giant version. Uh, so hit, having it more of an idea of being, um. There, her telling is very much uh, zombies, like the fact that you eat flesh mm-hmm. and then you become hungry for flesh and you don't stop. Like that's your entire purpose. And the whole time I was thinking, wow, they that's their their uh, zombie origin story essentially. So, uh, 
not that I ever have the time for it, but it's one of those things I've always been interested in. Like how many cultures have like uh, vampire stories, zombie stories. You know what I'm saying? Like it seems yeah. like there's these key things that we all kind of pull into, which would be it's nice really because different. then we could all say, hey, look, you know, everyone wants to say we're different, but we kind of all have the same ideas. So either maybe something really happened at one point or we all have the same ideas. We all Maybe think we're so going to die in this terrible, gruesome way. Isn't that yeah. great? <laughs> so, uh, but those were kind of the big things. Like I said, I, I did kind of hit one of those spirals like y'all were talking about and kind of pulled out. I was just like, all right, well, that was horrible. Um, I, and I agree with you. And at the end, the fact she didn't have an answer. And part of me was like, well, I'd kind of like something. But on the other hand, I also understand like you're saying, because it's like – you know, some a lot of times things people throw out there are half baked or just is like, you know, humans don't like the world doesn't work that way. Um, so it might have been a, a little nicer if maybe it was at least some words kind of encouragement. Um, I told you all about a book that I read a couple months ago, um, Confessions of an, uh, of an uh, Economic Hitman. And literally, if the book there was a revision to it, literally, if the book had just ended where it was, it was just like, all right, great, we're all horrible people, we're all gonna die. This is just great, fantastic. And then at the end, it's like, no, this is how we could try to improve things. And that was that was the only thing that made me hopeful about that book. Um, so I will say, I, I kind of wish maybe there was a little something there, but I understand why there wasn't. So, um, anything else well, that stood out? She's got another book coming out next year, so maybe that'll be more. Well, there you maybe go. It's a follow-up. I don't know what it's about yet, but yeah, it'd be nice if maybe it would be, you know, after after this one came out, people reached out to me, and this is what we think. Like maybe mm-hmm. maybe it's a, a game plan. Mm-hmm. So maybe maybe the the message, you know, her uh, what we can do though is just try to be more mindful and uh, take take the lessons from her book, you know, to heart and live more mindfully with reciprocity, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I know that's, that kind of goes back to individual action versus collective action, but um, there's still something that to be said about like changing, you know, hearts and minds a little at a time. And then eventually it reaches a tipping point to where that's just how it is. Hopefully, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully all of society feels this way and we start to move the needle. Yeah takes so long though yeah it does and unfortunately i'm i you know not that i'm not that it's a scapegoat or or thought process of you know well if everyone would do this it's like you know i keep hearing more and more stuff it's like yeah if everyone would recycle and do this that and the other we would make about a five percent dent and i'm just like that's fucking it mm-hmm. it's like oh no we have to go after the top five companies that are doing this shit and like i'm like okay well yeah let's try to start working towards that but mm-hmm. yeah it just you know, not that I'm saying I'm, I'm tired of hearing the what every individual can do. I just I really want to start seeing more people being like, you know, listen, you know, keep recycling. Good job. Uh, Maybe we should fucking do something about these businesses. Yeah. So. Yeah. It definitely needs to come at a macro level. It definitely needs to be uh, laws and regulations and um, changes to, you know, how businesses run and et cetera, et cetera. And uh, I mean, to a certain extent, some of that could be consumer behavior. You know, we can stop buying from certain companies for sure. And we can put our money or where our mouth is, but uh, yeah, a lot of it, like you can, you can boycott Nike or whoever for their labor practices, but ultimately like if we really want to see it across the board, 
pass a fucking regulation and enforce it, you know. Don't let yeah. the lobbyists and the political shit get in the way. <laughs> yeah. So, but anyway, so overall, yes, I did enjoy the book. Uh, like I said, it, it, it was kind of a spiral there in the middle, but uh, <laughs> um, I'm glad I read it regardless. So, uh, is I, there anything else? Oh, go on. Well, I found myself, and I'm not a parent, but I was very touched by a lot of her stories about having kids and like when she talked about her daughters going off and the things she went through. You know, I thought that was like very poignant as parents. How did you guys like? You know, did you relate to some of that or did you were you like, oh, it's, I'm not there yet. So I'm not there quite yet. You're getting close. <laughs> I'm getting close. My daughter is 16. Uh, yeah, she's got two more years at home before she tottles off to the world of post of post-secondary education. Um, yeah, I they joke. I, <laughs> Logan was joking with me that I'm a I'm a crunchy mom. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, I'm, it could be worse. It could be so much worse. <laughs> uh, I could really go down the rabbit hole if your dad let me. Really good. Uh, but he's sitting there shaking his head no. Um, but it was, it's just me trying to, as a parent, you're just trying to make them into good humans. You're just trying to give them all your best stuff, all your life lessons, because you have the, you know, you have the gift of, hindsight right like you can look Mm -hmm. back and see all your mistakes you're making so you can give them all this worldly advice most of it just goes in and out of the other they're not listening some of it gets stuck and it it stays but with with logan and quinn it's just like all i want them to know is you know you can have what you want just don't take more than you need um you know like not everything you don't need a lot of stuff to be happy you know you don't need a whole lot of it's more about who you're with than anything else. And when she was talking about her daughters, it was it was a story of her dropping off her daughter mm-hmm. and then coming home to an empty house. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's going to be me. <laughs> yeah, she, was there. she was a single mom, though. That was the other thing. Like, she was by herself. Yeah. That would uh, be devastating. Yeah. So to come home and there's and it's the quiet I like things quiet, but that's like a level of quiet I don't think you're ever really prepared for. Well, that's my everyday, but I get well, it. When like you're, when so you're used, used to 18 noise. years of, yeah. Right, when you're used years to noise and, and <laughs> puttering around and, foot, you know, like footsteps and murmurs and stuff like that in different rooms, and all of a sudden it's not there anymore. Mm-hmm. It'd be very, it's going to be very jarring. But I just hope with Logan, like she, I know there's going to be rebellion. I know she's going to have those that period of time where it's just going to be like I'm doing everything mom didn't do and then it'll come and she'll do a few things I'm not expecting everything she'll there'll be things that I did that I'll see when she grows up but and I'm I'm, I hope I don't point them out I'll be like oh I used to name that too because then that's a good recipe for her to stop doing it Um, no but then uh, when you know you you know when um, you've reached that point where you're like, oh, my God, this is what my mom used to do. I'm acting just like her. You know, like you look in the mirror and you're like, fuck. I already look enough like my mother. <laughs> I, I don't need any more of that. <laughs> I used to make fun of her for this. And I'm doing yes. the exact who, same thing. Who is it who has the commercials right now? I see them from time to time. Um where it's the guy, he's got a, he's got a, a mustache, and he's helping people to not become their parents. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That hit. The reason why those commercials hit so hard is because everyone's just like, oh shit, yeah, yeah. you're right. 
Okay, so something you were talking about, you, you brought this up, Chris, and, and made mm-hmm. me think about it. Um, part of this, the, the whole not taking more than than you know what you want, you know what what you need, mm-hmm. um, but also just you know caring for the planet and everything else. A lot of that, I think. I mean, granted, there are people, Jennifer, uh, that you know it hits early. Yeah. And without the other, you know, impactors. But a lot of that I feel comes from a just getting older, mm-hmm. but also be like also having kids like because I mean, granted, it was also the time of my life. But that's when I was like, OK, I got to get my shit together because, you know, I've got two more two more little people depending on me. Mm-hmm. Um, And and, you know, so I think a lot of people start hitting that later on in life, especially when they start thinking about the world they're going to leave for their kids. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it, it is an abstract thought. It's one thing. When there's a little person sitting there and you're like, yeah, I want you to be able to breathe when you get mm-hmm. 20 and 30. That would be nice. Yeah. Um, you know, I think some of that hits. But like the just the the, the not taking, you know, I understand. Uh, I mean, granted, I've got, you know, a collection of different things or whatever, but I find it harder and harder to spend money on stuff that's just going to sit there. Yeah. But also I find. Like if you were to look at just my Amazon purchases or whatever, most of it is for tools or materials for me to make things, usually a lot of times for other people. Uh, but it's like, yeah, I could buy all this stuff, but I don't really want it. Like I, yeah. it's, I, you know, I found I found that the older I get, the, you know, time. Of course, that's when, you know, I was halfway joking when people ask, what do you want for Christmas? I'm like, time. I want time <laughs> with my friends. That's what I really want. To really want. Um, well, you got me for a little bit. I did get you for a minute. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, seriously, like, like that's, I think a lot of that, hopefully, I'm sure it doesn't with everybody, hopefully it comes with age and, and everything mm-hmm. else. It's, but uh, yeah. I don't I, know, I, though. I worry, though, because like, Amazon and online ordering has made it so easy for people to be consumer, more consumerist. You know, you you hear people joke about, oh, the Amazon guy knows me by name and um, I'm going to this sale and that sale. And it's just like, oh, but no, you don't need it. Stop. And and so, like, I I worry, like, we're almost regressing in that. uh, Like, you're probably one of the exceptions. I don't know. And see, you're right. It does make it super easy. On the other hand, like, I've gotten to the point that. You know, if I have to go find some, you know, shop somewhere, I hate doing it with a passion because and I do think about the fact that most of the time if I get it from Amazon, there's enough information there. I can order it and be pretty certain it's what I want. Whereas if I'm like, all right. Yeah. But like if I have to go to Lowe's, I'm like, all right, well, I have to go get in a car. So that's probably that's at least 20 minutes of gas I'm burning. You know, because my vehicle does still use gas. I mean, if it was electric, it'd be a little bit different animal. But I'm spending that much time putting carbon into the air. I'm walking around. I may or may not find what I need there. And then I have to make another trip to somewhere else. Or then I have to do something else. And I, I don't know. I'm sure I'm one way or the other. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be bad. I have a feeling the people who are, are just ordering stuff to order stuff because it's there probably are the same people that went to the mall and just went yes. shop shop and just bought yeah. stuff regardless. Yeah. I don't, that's exactly what it is. They were going to buy it regardless of how they were going to get it. Right. Right. Like, and I think going shopping. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it makes it a little easier. Maybe it's just, maybe it's a little better. The fact that it's one truck going to their house instead of multiple trucks going to 
you know, the mall and other intermediary, you know, a, a mediary place mm-hmm. and then them driving there. I don't know. Once again, now we're going to that spiral of, oh, is this <laughs> better? Worse? Is this better? Or, yeah. yeah. So. And, and that's hey. the problem. It's because you could make it bad for anything. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I, I, some, the, the best activists and the best, um, people in environment, in the environmental movement or whatever that I resonate with and that I like and can be inspired by are those people who meet you where you are, who aren't trying to force anything down their throat or shame you for what you're doing. They're just being like, okay, you're here. Cool. That's fantastic. And, and go from there. And they're not interested in making you feel bad or guilt or anything like that. They're just happy that you're there. And I think that was a, those are the big ones that sit with me are the ones that aren't trying to guilt you or aren't trying to scare you, or they're just trying to meet you where you are and work with what you, who you are as a person in your family and where you live in the world and what kind of economic level you're at mm-hmm. or, and things like that. So those are the well, ones that stick with me. And just being aware of it, I think is a key. Yeah, like a lot of people just do it, but I'm you're, you're at least thinking about yeah, the impact you, yeah, that's you're huge. having and, like, okay, I'm going to buy this from Amazon, but I'll consolidate and get everything in yeah. one one weekly delivery or something like they offer now. Or or ask for no plastic or at least mm-hmm. work your way up to, you know, the next thing and the next thing or whatever. But I will say one of the best ways to not shop online or through Amazon is to live in a country that you can't get most of the stuff you need easily. <laughs> and if you get them mailed, you have to pay a tax on it. <laughs> so you just don't buy anything that has to come in the mail. Let me tell you, this week, uh, I I was shipping something out to, I was shipping a, a thing that I make from my Etsy uh, store to someone in England. And I was like, it doesn't seem like I made a lot of money on this. Uh, let, me, let me check this. Uh, I was charging $30 in shipping. Yeah, shipping's gone up to 40 Ooh, yeah. The thing they bought was only $20. And I'm yeah. just like... Like, why? I mean, I understand we do need to tax gas and stuff like that. But part of me is just like, really? Like, that was not a gas-related thing. That was someone was like, no, we're going to start charging more money because it headed over a border. And I'm just like, fuck all y'all. So anyway. (laughs) But that is a good, you know, like a convenient thing for you, Jen, that, you know, can't get it. I can't buy it. Yeah. Can't find it anywhere. And I'm not paying all that money for that tax. (laughs) Yeah. That's not worth it. With shipping too is because it's so expensive in Canada to ship mm-hmm. that it's like I don't I personally don't like online shopping because I'm one of those people who I need to see it. I yeah, need I do too. Feel it. I need to try it on. I have to try it on. Um, I have a specific body type. I need to know. Um, <laughs> and so it's one of those things where I I will physically go. We have an electric car, so we've had it for almost a year now, and we love it. This is our first winter with it, which definitely changes the mileage. Um, but, uh, you know, Logan's 16. Logan's got a job. She, what responsibility does a 16-year-old have? Not a whole lot. She's saving for school, but she likes to shop. Mm-hmm. So, you know, <laughs> trying to let, that's the other thing, too, is that when you're a parent and you make things taboo, it's like, why is they it? They want to do it more. Why is it so bad? And then when they get a on their own they're going to do all the shit you told them not to do because you like forced upon them if you look mm-hmm. at any like look at the ducker girls all of them now have all chopped their hair off some of them wear pants <laughs> they like 
<laughs> on birth control because she doesn't want any more kids. It's like if you make something so taboo that it becomes like blasphemous almost if you even mention it. As soon as they get out on their own, they're going to do it. So now it's like, okay, I have to let her experience the shopping. Got to let her go out there, do her retail therapy, whatever you want to call it, so that when she is out on her own and she does have her own bills to pay, she's like, okay, I do like doing this. However, <laughs> I have this to pay for, this pay for, this pay for. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe instead of a big shop, she only does like one little thing or whatever because she knows she's got other responsibilities first and we haven't made it like that big taboo thing. And we've also made it a big thing in our house to shop, especially for furniture. Second used. Yeah. Yeah. We tell the like I bring them to all the restores and stuff in the thrift stores. I'm like, see, look at this a perfectly good piece of it's ten dollars. You can't even get the wood for that. We got our wardrobe oh, girl. for bucks. It was solid oak. I have yeah, like almost everything I got that I didn't bring with me that I you know needed when I got here was yeah. secondhand if I could find it. Cause. And there's no shame in it, right? Like there's no shame in buying something that somebody else doesn't have use for anymore. You know, for me growing up, there was a lot of shame in it. Oh yeah. Because we grew up in a specific kind of economic tax bracket and there was shame in that it meant that already we can't afford stuff but this was already another kick in the face right like we can't afford anything new so I didn't do secondhand for the longest time especially with the kids it's like I'm not buying them secondhand anything and now it's just like oh I wasted so much money (laughs) if I because there's so little for such a short amount of time that half the stuff they wore they might have worn it once you know that Eugene like Mm -hmm. you think they're gonna wear it and then like first of all they have a gross look you didn't expect Uh wear it at all or they poop through it or they well that and they've ruined it or you have nobody else to give it to like with my with my kids um, they've got two older cousins, but Logan and her older cousin are completely different body types. Like our niece is like five foot one if she's lucky and Logan's five eight. And at no time did their clothes ever, she couldn't give her any hand-me-downs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and, and with my, you know, with my nieces, they're all, they're five, six years younger than Logan. So by the time it got to them, you know, they don't they don't want it or it's out of anyway so you know baby clothes and kids clothes and oh i feel like somebody sitting in a ceo office is just laughing at all these parents because they're making the bank especially on those ortho stupid freak we bought quinn a pair of etnies when he was two and i knew it they were thirty dollars for a two-year-old stupid they looked so cute on him he wore them for two months before his feet grew out of them i still have them (laughs) no other kid was ever gonna wear them but spending 30 bucks on a pair of shoes my two-year-old was gonna wear for like five minutes seemed like a good idea (laughs) yeah it's it not really has anything to do but you just said that there was a uh it was a, a TikTok that I sent Christy that was – it was this woman basically just going on there telling all mothers, go buy uh, – just if you've got a if you've got a young teenage boy, go buy all of your uh, hoodies at, at secondhand stores. Yeah. Because they're inevitably going to give them to a girl that you're probably never see again. I saw that TikTok $60. Too. Yeah. $60. Gone. And I'll never see this girl again. And I was just like, smart woman. Yep. <laughs> I saw that TikTok. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, yep. that's exactly what's going. On. Well, Logan already steals race hoodies. They're gone. He's not getting them back. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um. 
Well, is there anything else from the book that we want to? Uh, we're gonna have to do an episode on on, on geeky parenting sometime, oh, like on on epically geeky. We're just gonna have to like get <laughs> on and just like bleh. so. Yeah. Um, I've, it's one of those topics I've always thought about, and we just haven't gotten around to it. Anyway, oh, we should definitely do that. I'm on board for sure. Yeah. Um, is there anything else that in, in particular about the book that stood out? Um, I know we kind of rambled and stuff, but it's also it's one of those books it's kind of hard to discuss like you can kind of give people the general gist of the book but then you really just kind of have to read it to to get anything from it so um no i think we covered it all if you want to be inspired by you know a kind of a different uh view on science and indigenous knowledge this is a book to start with it's a good book to start with Mm -hmm. yeah i agree with that if you're interested in um, knowing more about indigenous science and how it can relate to mainstream science in terms of plants and um, the ecosystems and stuff. Definitely a very good place to start for sure. Yeah. She's a wealth of knowledge. And it's, you know, she does talk about how, you know, we are starting to finally go back and start looking at nature on some mm-hmm. things. It's just like, well, how did they used to use a medicine for this or, how can we pull this? And I mean, going once again to hard science, you know, especially when we're designing things, it's like, well, how can we design? So, well, why don't we just design it like nature did it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Duh. Yeah. How much uh, ev- evolution? A bird's wing is pretty yeah. much w- pretty well perfected at this point. Why aren't we yeah. just like copying that? So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that is pretty much our, our show for the month, ladies and gentlemen. Um, our next book is. I think it was Ray's pick. Did Ray pick this? Sean. Sean or is Sean? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, Sean is going to attempt to go ahead and get us to go down a rabbit hole. Uh, <laughs> there's There are certain books that people on this group have recommended, and they've become a hit with pretty much everyone. Uh, this was one of his. Like, he knocked it out of the park with this oh, one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Next, month's, next month's book is Quarter Share by Nathan Lowell. It is a... I think technically the 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 main storyline is six books. I think there's an additional three, and then there's like two or three other ones that can tie into it. Like it's, yeah, it's a lot. A big but it's, universe. It's really good, and once yeah. you once you uh, 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 meet the main character, you're, you'll understand why. It's we sci-fi. Yes, it is. Yeah, but uh, not like hard sci-fi. It's like I I like it. Um, it is also a lot of what I like to refer uh, refer to as um. Oh my God! What was my term for it? Um, resource management porn. Resource management porn. <laughs> yes, it is because they literally talk about well, if we did this, we could do that, and yeah. I don't know why that should be the most boring topic ever. Kind but you're of. just like, I'm really interested in to find out how are they going to do this. Oh yeah, there's spreadsheets, Eugene. Okay. Maybe. I got yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. No wonder Eugene likes it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we are reading next month. We are reading Quarter Share by Nathan Lowell, and then March we are reading your choice, right? Yes, Chris. Uh, New Spring by Robert Jordan. So, if you want to read along with us, that's our next couple of books. Uh, as always, you can find us at epicallygeeky.com. There, you can find all the links to the different shows we do, including Epically Geeky, uh, Sustainably Geeky, and Creatively Geeky. Uh, you can find us on all the social media at uh, Epically Geeky as well. Um, apparently some of the other, uh, places that you listen to podcasts have started doing, uh, ratings or where you can leave, uh, reviews. If you would, please give us a review or a rating. It, it does help apparently get the message out there. 
looking at our numbers, all of a sudden this last week, things kind of jumped back up again. Since COVID started, things have been just kind of grinding to a halt. And I don't know if pe- more people are going back to work. I don't know if people are rediscovering stuff. I don't know what's happening. It's just a good thing. So uh, if you do listen to the show, if nothing else, you know, tell a friend about it. You know, tell them, hey, you know, there's this the show where they talk about geeky books and it's not just yeah, yeah it's not just science fiction we cover fantasy we cover uh fiction you know Lots of stuff. If, if, yeah we're, we're geeky about the book no. so there you go um where can we find you online jen um well once or twice a year you can find me here now <laughs> That I live six hours away. Um, you can find me consistently on Sustainably Geeky still. And um, as I've mentioned, the newest episode should be dropping around the same time as this one. And then otherwise, I'm on the, all of the social medias at Het's Gonna Be Me. Chris, where can we find you online? Uh, you can find me at all the shows you mentioned and on Instagram at Rosen Hummingbird. I'm also going to be doing a big kitchen reno, and I'll be doing that on my private uh, account at Victorian Botanical. So maybe, you know, hit me up for a request. We'll see. Good deal. And as always, you can follow my individual wacky adventure online at Optimus Gene on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for everyone on the site. Have a good night. has been a presentation of the Epically Geeky Network. 